Welcome to Brazilian Politics, the podcast where three political analysts talk about all things Brazilian politics. This week, we will discuss perspectives on the first 100 days of the Bolsonaro administration. Welcome to Brazilian Politics. I'm Michael Lopez, and I'm joined by my colleagues Lucas and Thiago Aragão. Thank you for joining us once again, fellas. Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. Hello, Mike. Hello, Lucas. All right. So we are recording on the eve of the Bolsonaro administration's first 100 days in power. And as is usually the case, this date is used as a benchmark to evaluate the new government, their proposals, their effectiveness in passing legislation, etc. So for this administration, which ran a campaign promising important changes to the style of political negotiation, to the relationship with Congress, as well as important structural reforms like pension reform, this 100-day threshold has added significance. And we can agree, I think, that the early stumbles of the administration have been widely publicized. Um, so it's likely that Bolsonaro will use tomorrow's 100-day event to also announce uh, some new economic measures, create a positive agenda, uh, could announce the end of year bonus for Bolsa Familia beneficiaries. Um, so my question to you is, it's pretty broad. How do we evaluate this period for the government? Has it been successful? Did they present any surprises? And, and what can we expect moving forward? Michael, I think that it's been a confusing first 100 days. The government began its, its mandate uh, trying to use the strategy of the campaign of not engaging so strongly with uh, politicians in terms of negotiations with Congress, uh, focusing a lot on the power of the social media, which gave them important victories in the campaign and also in the Senate a presidential election when they were able to dethrone uh, Senator Renan Calheiros and put someone uh, that they had a more a close relationship with, Senator Davi Alcolumbre. Uh, but I think overall it's, uh, it's normal that this government uh, is in a, a shaky beginning. After all, it's a government that doesn't have a lot of experience. Uh, the main names, Onyx Lorenzoni, hasn't had any uh, experience in the executive branch, Bolsonaro himself as well. A lot of the chief of staff and the uh, ministers inside the Planalto Palace also lack this executive uh, experience. Paulo Guedes, the minister of economy, also lacks this experience in the, in the, in the government arena. And also you have this uh, lack of balance because you have a government that deeply criticized the old politics, the, the, the politics that has been uh, in the coalition presidency of the recent years. And at the same time, you have a Congress still under this software with a very fragmented Congress, a president of the House, which is close to the Centrão. Uh, and I think that the, what to expect in the future is that this government is slowly uh, getting the grips of reality. And, and, and the, the, the numbers also from the popularity and the difficulties in the conversation with the Congress is putting this government in a more realistic approach to dealing with the political life. Uh, adding on on that uh, view and explanation from Lucas, I think that, the, yes, indeed, the first 100 days were confusing and, and they seemed more like a preparation or an attempt 
for the following 100 days. When we see and when we look in retrospective, this is uh, this the beginning of this administration has some unique characteristics. First, it is the first administration since Lula's uh, first administration that has to begin with everything brand new. If we look back in the past, the transition from Lula 1 to Lula 2 to Dilma 1, Dilma 2, and Temer always involved to a uh, uh, higher or lower uh, extent the participation of the same players within the political spectrum and the political environment. Uh, so Bolsonaro, he brought in a, a complete and utter change in terms of the, the individuals participating in the government. And not that this should uh, be used as an excuse for the confusion uh, that this government has shown in the first 100 days, but I think it's something to take in consideration that it's an administration that has to start from scratch in comparison to the previous ones. Also, this is the first administration since Cardozo that starts uh, its, uh, its first year with a major duty on the table, with a major job to be accomplished, which is the pension reform. So before the previous administrations of Temer, if we may include that, or, or Dilma or Lula, they began with a clean slate for them to create the propositions and to start getting the momentum of what they wanted to approve without a major uh, uh, mission to be accomplished in the beginning. Cardozo, on the other hand, he had the mission of sustaining the viability of the Real Plan, and it perhaps could be considered in complexity with what is going on right now. But if we don't see a, a profound change in the relationship between the executive and the legislative and, and uh, a uniformity of desire to approve the pension reform within the executive, I think we're going to have some rough uh, months ahead of us. You know, I'm glad you brought up this issue of the relationship between the executive and the legislative, because I think this is really at the heart of the of this administration and its possible success in improving structural reforms. Um, Bolsonaro is, is now more engaged, more personally engaged, and he has been holding personal meetings with the presidents of political parties in Brazil. Uh, last week, he met with the presidents of the PSDB, the DEI, PSD, PP, PRB, and MDB. And this week, he has meetings scheduled with the presidents of the PSL, Solidariedade, PR, PROS, Podemos, and Avante. So my question to you is, does this mean that the quote-unquote new politics discussed during the campaign, which includes negotiations with thematic caucuses in Congress, is it dead? Is Bolsonaro fully on board with the old politics style now? Michael, not necessarily. Uh, what we have to understand is exactly what it means to engage in old politics and what is the, the electoral campaign that Bolsonaro promised, and also what is public perception of old politics. First, public perception of old politics doesn't mean engaging uh, with parties. It means engaging in, with parties in illegal manners. Population will not hurt Bolsonaro 
in terms of popularity or protests if the president is meeting with members of parties, negotiating positions, budget amendments, supports for alternative agendas, uh, electoral projects, and so forth. This is not the problem. The problem is when this uh, relationship goes into illegality, such as bribes, such as the use of the budget to make uh, positive um, uh, engagements to their own political agenda or to their own political parties in illegal ways. So th there is a blurred line where the, the, the population will not hurt Bolsonaro if he engages, but it will hurt him if he engages illegally. The second thing is that Bolsonaro did not say during his campaign that he was, was not going to engage with the parties. He promised not to engage in illegal manners, as I said before. So I think Bolsonaro will have to find a middle ground between what was uh, the, the, the traditional old-style politics, which does include engagement, does include negotiation, does include bringing the legislative to the executive branch and have them have access to the decision-making process, to the decision uh, of how the budget is allocated. But he cannot engage in what created, for instance, the car wash operation, this uh, explicit uh, pornographic relationship between the private and the public, or even so, the Mensalão scandal, where the PT paid monthly allowances for congressmen to support their bills. So I think we just have to be realistic, and Bolsonaro has to, to keep his campaign promise of not engaging in this illegality, uh, but it doesn't mean that he will not engage with politicians. After all, this is part of a democratic regime of the three separated branches of power, uh, and he does have to negotiate. Bolsonaro, I think he began his mandate believing that he was the boss of the Congress, and the Congress was this entity that had to serve the, the Planalto Palace, and this is not the case. They have their own electorate, they have their own agendas, they have their own promises to their constituents, and fighting a, finding a middle ground can be done in a legal way, but it does require a lot of, of, of political skill. Uh, Michael, the first 100 days has been very low in politics and very high in drama. And part of this is the distorted perception that the, the administration had of what old politics represents and perhaps an unrealistic view of what new politics could be. And the result of that was no politics. Um, I agree with all the points raised by by Lucas, and uh, but furthermore, I think that there is a learning curve that wasn't taken in consideration by the the not only by Bolsonaro but by key members of the administration um, in understanding that perhaps uh, it was an automatic behavior in order to approve things and that the pressure that could be placed upon the Congress because of the perception, the self-perception of popularity would be enough. I think that reality is knocking on the door soon. A hundred days after all is, is not that much. And this is putting the government in an urgent need to reorganize themselves and to become efficient in message, in, in relationship, and above everything else, in understanding the dynamics of the powers and the decision makers. 
Thank you, Chago. And earlier this week, the government obtained uh, what can be considered a, a victory in the Constitution and Justice Committee of the lower house uh, regarding pension reform. The committee approved a request for a change in the agenda so that the rapporteur of the proposal, Marcelo Freitas, could uh, present uh, and read his report immediately in the committee. This request was approved with 39 yes votes, three no votes, and uh, 13 representatives on the opposition uh, claiming obstruction. Um, so my question to you is, how should we take this news? Is it, is it reason for optimism for the government's articulation? Is this the result of changes to the government's political negotiation? Or is it too early to be optimistic? Michael, I believe that this Congress is very aware of the fiscal problems of the country. They are very aware that the Without money, you can't engage in politics. There is no uh, surplus to pay for the amendments to the budget. There is no help to the states and to the municipalities, which could uh, help them in, in, in future elections. And this government has, and this Congress has given continuous signals that they are in a good mood towards the, the pension reform. A good example is that in the height of the crisis, 12 party leaders, all from the Centrão, signed a document saying that they were in favor of the pension reform, even though they were against the BPC and the rural workers regime. Uh, I think that what happened yesterday isn't necessarily a victory because it's something extremely um, technical, you know, the presentation of a, of a report by someone from the PSL. But I do think it shows that the Congress will not necessarily Uh, engage in, in, in hindering the advances of the pension reform if the government does its part. At the time, doing its part is necessarily not uh, uh, bringing crisis and tension to the relationship. But when this pension reform reaches its stages of definition, for instance, the special committee uh, and the floor votes, Not creating problems won't be enough. We, we, we can't... Uh, there's two different things. One is that Bolsonaro began without negotiation. Then he went into this very aggressive mode, criticizing Maya and the, and, the, and the Congress as a whole. Now he's not criticizing Maya and the Congress, but they are still waiting for a stronger negotiation, which Bolsonaro seems to be willing to do Uh, if we look at his agenda, I think what happened yesterday was a signal that the, the, the Congress is open for dialogue and they will not create problems if the government doesn't create problems. However, as the bill advances, not creating problems won't be enough. We will need a stronger art articulation from the government. But I do think it was uh, a good signal. You know, the, the members of the government went to the Constitution and Justice Committee early on. They signed Uh, to participate and defend the pension reform when the opposition tried to invert the agenda in order to hinder the, the, the presentation of the, of the report. They were able to revert it. So I think that there were good signs yesterday, but we are still far from saying that this negotiation is enough to approve the pension reform. I do think it will be approved for multiple reasons, the ones that I cited first as the, the, the fiscal responsibility 
and the and the um, um, survival mode of the government of the Congress. And I also think that this government will engage in negotiation when uh, time comes for a, a better negotiation. And I think that the the position of the of the committee yesterday demonstrates that. Above anything else, the, the Brazilian Congress is a very pragmatic Congress. Uh, if if in the past they were pragmatic for the wrong reasons, they were also there are we have plenty of examples of situations in which the gov the, the Congress was pragmatic um, through positive reasons, like for example when it was approved the spending cap uh, under President Temer. So what we see is the they are demonstrating and showing to the president that they are pragmatic. The approval of the pension reform is not a binary issue. It's not a yes or no. It is made up of dozens and dozens of yeses and nos within the proposition. And all they want is to identify where and how the, the priorities of specific points um, within the proposal of the government should be addressed not only to the congressmen, but from the congressmen to their uh, districts, for their electoral base. So I, I think it was a, a victory for the government, but it was also a lesson of pragmatism. That is not a, a situation of uh, yes, fighting against no for the approval of the reform. Just to, to keep our listeners uh, up to date on what the Centrão could do to hinder the pension reform, uh, they could, for instance, delay... Uh, the appointment of members, which naturally delays the installation of the committee, for instance, the special committee. Uh, they could appoint representatives that are less aligned with the government, forcing uh, a negotiation to be even uh, more skilled. Uh, they can support the, the, the submission of potentially harmful amendments to the bill. They could propose invitations of specialists who have critical views of the reform for the public hearings would generate uh, negative media. Then they can not only, uh, they, and they could not offer support to government representatives during debates, as we saw uh, in the Constitution and Justice Committee when gadgets went. So, as we see, there is a, a very big line between helping, doing nothing, and actually hindering the bill. I think that yesterday we, we were in between helping and doing nothing, and for the bill to approve, this line has to be pushed a little bit more into the helping side, which I do believe it will help, uh, it will happen uh, as time moves on. That's uh, very well put, Lucas. And I would just uh, like to add a couple things on the Centrão, because not only do they have the opportunity to hinder progress or delay progress or derail the content of the pension reform proposal, but they also have the ability to send other tough messages to the government, which they've done. Um, with the Centrão support, uh, the Congress approved the overturning of the presidential decree that deals with uh, the classification of documents as uh, classified, that, that uh, attaches secrecy to government documents. And then there's also obviously the compulsory uh, spending constitutional amendment that obligates the government to execute uh, group uh, parliamentary amendments in Congress. Um, so for sure, this relationship with the Centrão is going to be crucial uh, moving forward. Um, but I want to move on to the Datafolha popularity poll. 
which was released on Sunday. It was a broad poll. There was a lot of information that was contained in it on the first 100 days of the Bolsonaro administration. Uh, but basically, the poll shows that the country is divided. We have one third of the population that approves of the government, about one third disapproves. And then the other third considers it, uh, quote unquote, regular. It's just okay. How worried should the government be about its own popularity and the optics of the administration with civil society? Michael, I think it should be worried, especially on how quick uh, President Bolsonaro went uh, in the numbers of great and good to regular, uh, and then a little bit to the bad and very bad. But just a couple of considerations. First, I think that what we had in the past, for instance, with Lula having 10% of bad, very bad, what we had with Gilma in 2011 with 7% of bad, very bad, that ship has sailed uh, in this new country that we have right now, extremely polarized. This is the first uh, post-general election where we have such a polarized country. I think it's absolutely uh, different from other situations. Even in 2014, when Gilma had 60% of bad, very bad after the 100 days of government, it was still an effect of the political crisis and the car wash rather than this uh, pure hatred for either side of the aisle. So I think that we are going to live uh, in, in the next, in this mandate and in, while the country is polarized with this um, uh, uh, almost like the United States, you know, where there is a, a group of voters who will say that it's bad, very bad, regardless of what is happening uh, in the country. I think Bolsonaro should be worried on how quick he lost some support. If you look at his numbers, he lost support even among those that voted for him. Uh, only 54 of those who voted for Bolsonaro are classifying his government as good. In other words, 42% of his voters already sees the government's performance as either neutral, 33%, or negative, 9%. So these numbers uh, suggest that the honeymoon phase is running out. However, you still have a third considering his government to be good, a third considering to be regular. And let's be honest, to have someone consider the president regular in a country that hates politics like Brazil, it's almost a victory. Uh, so I think that when you have two thirds considering his government good or regular, it's still somewhat comfortable. But I would be worried, and I think he is worried, and he will have to be more pragmatic, especially in the economy. And what does this mean? He needs to increase negotiations for the pension reform, which will bring the country to a new level, especially next year. But he also has to focus on the, the, the microeconomic measures, the, the, the quick measures that could bring the economy uh, back on track. This would especially work uh, with the part of the population uh, who are in the lower level of the social pyramid. And that's where his popularity hurts the most. You know, segments that are strongly sensitive to the fluctuations in the economy. Yes, and if we look in, in, in retrospective, during the campaign, Bolsonaro, he, he conquered victory um, with about a third of the voters. Um, if we exclude the valid votes, uh, the, the, the votes that weren't valid, etc., and the and those that didn't participate and then voted, etc. Uh, so within this group, we also have to create the subdivisions of the which is something very hard to to be measured, which is the individuals that voted 
for what Bolsonaro was proposing versus the others that were voting in a, in a rejection to the Workers' Party for the PT. So when we look at the numbers today, it makes sense in relation to the division uh, of votes that came from from uh, the elections last year. But it surely demonstrates that there is a, a, a decrease that it's accelerating in a complicated mode for the president. I think there's also an erratic interpretation of success or, or popularity from the administration by measuring it through the social medias. The social medias, they, they basically they create a bubble around the individual who is being followed or, or, or in, in Bolsonaro's case, who is being read by followers everywhere, that it obviously demonstrates a disparity between those who approve him and dislike him in comparison to real life. So I think that this erratic interpretation of success might create some tensions in the fact that he might have a distorted perception of reality because of success that uh, he is experiencing in the social medias. And perhaps this might not cause the pressure strong enough for him to seek going back to an agenda that he believes is more beneficial to the country. Thank you, Thiago. And on that note, uh, we wrap up this episode of Brazilian Politics. Thank you to Lucas and Thiago uh, for joining us. And thank you especially to our listener for tuning in. We will be back next week with more on Brazilian politics. Thank you. Thank you.